Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and as always, we have a show for you today. There's so much to unpack. Uh, But before we get started, we're going to have a quick word. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back. So again, you are listening to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and this is, of course, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So I always like to start with the beginning. (coughs) And a cough, right? Um... Where do I, or how do I phrase what I want to say? <coughs> Forgive me, it's, uh, uh, I hope it's uh, not allergies. Um, I can't stand uh, how I feel at certain times of the year. My eyes tear up, I sneeze, I, I cough, I blow my nose. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'll be okay here. I'll be able to get through the show. But let's let's kind of jump right on in. Uh, there's so many things that I want to kind of delve into. Uh, one of the things is post-truth, the post-truth era. We're living in it. So a lot of people might be saying, well, post-truth, what exactly is that? What do you mean? Well, you know, literal. <laughs> uh, I, I like to say that I'm not oblique. I'm not subtle. (laughs) I just, I say what I mean. Uh, To a large extent, I would say I'm a product of my environment. I'm very much a Boston girl. But then even by Boston standards, uh, I do think I'm pretty frank. So I do think we're living in a post-truth era. Uh, it's, it's, It's very tough. It's very difficult to have fruitful conversations. It's very tough to have friendships with people who don't necessarily see eye to eye with you. And it's sad. It's unfortunate. Uh, I always thought that I derived a lot from interacting with people who don't necessarily think like me or people with whom I don't always, um, you know, ha- share a common share common ground with. Uh, it's it's important not to be in an echo chamber. It's important to listen to other people, and we just don't have that. And so, this post truth era. Let me just kind of speak to that more. People are told things, and they're given proof, evidence, 
maybe uh, a reliable source is cited. Yet, if the person who's listening to this information doesn't like this information, well, he or she then finds a way to refute it. And it's like, I, I don't understand that. Like, how how are we managing to function as a society given that this has become so prevalent? Because it has. Well, the answer is we're not really functioning. We're kind of existing. I think that critical thinking is at a low point. I think tolerance for other ideas is at a low point. And it's just, it's really sad and unfortunate. So what I encounter a lot when I'm interacting with people who just simply don't want to hear anything other than their pre-approved list of topics, and then, of course, if you do talk about any one of those given topics, you have to do it in a way that meets with uh, their approval. Uh, Otherwise, they, they just, they don't want to hear it. And people also seem to be, I'm going to call it the buffalo, the herd mentality. Um, And and generally, we we talk about the herd mentality. Um, You know, one person might say or do something by himself or herself, but in a group, he ceases to think. And I think that that's what's kind of set in. That's what's kind of installed uh, in the marketplace of ideas, which, again, makes any kind of useful dialogue very, very difficult. Um, but I, I, I do want to keep on bringing it back to this this concept of post-truth. So as I said, someone can be met with evidence, very reliable sources, information that really isn't open to interpretation, uh, yet people find a way to argue if they don't like what they what they hear. Uh, There are other times where people just simply don't acknowledge what they're being told. Uh, Let me give you an example, uh, a very uh, good example. Uh, A few years ago, there was, uh, I remember, a crime that had taken place. And I I won't go into the specifics, um, but what I'll say is it, it's a crime that if I, you know, gave the names, uh, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, oh, my gosh, and I, I remember thinking or I, I said all the time or I knew this all along. You know, I don't I don't really want to make this 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 particular crime or this particular tragic incident. Really, that's uh, the way I want to phrase it. Um, the focal point of 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 the show But what I will say is that I remember one time being in class and what was being debated is what happened when the person who committed the crime, it was, again, it was a tragic accident, but the person who um, was was fatally wounded and, and when... And, and and before and well, how shall I phrase it? When when the when the person was um, 
contemplating what to do, the person actually called 911. And one person was contending that the individual was told not to proceed. And I said, well, that's not what he was told, actually. Uh, He was told to be careful, but he wasn't told unequivocally not to proceed. And this girl became incensed with me. She thought that somehow I was trying to mitigate, diminish this tragedy, because it was. It was a tragic incident, um, obviously for the victim who was fatally wounded, but it was also tragic for the person who uh, wounded the uh the other uh who who wounded the victim so it was it was just it was very sad all around but in this classroom place of learning this girl became incensed with me because she thought i was taking a position that def- that defended uh the actions of the perpetrator of 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 um this fatal act of this fatal assault this fatal act of uh violence um again because i don't want to really make this this tragedy the focal point of the show and i can talk more about it at another point in time and and give the names and you know go into an analysis but for now i just I want to kind of give a kind of a loose, a very loose example uh, that speaks to what I'm trying to explain. So this girl, very upset with me, exasperated. She, she reaches for her cell phone. She's huffing and puffing. And what she does is she looks up the phone call that had, been take, that had taken place. And, excuse me, there was a recording of it online that was made available. And so she proceeded to read it out to the class. (coughs) And what, and what was fairly remarkable is what she read was exactly what I had said. Now, had I wanted to, I could have said, I told you so. That's exactly what I said. But my point was made. But what was interesting was this girl kept on reading. And afterwards, there was no, okay, you were right. I was wrong. There was none of that. Uh, There was no acknowledgement. Oh, I'm sorry. I was mistaken. She just continued as if that bit of information that basically tore apart everything that she had been saying, she acted like she hadn't read it, that she hadn't encountered it. And this is the mentality that I'm encountering. You know, so people demand facts. Okay? You give it to them. They search for the truth. 
they find it. But if it doesn't fit what they've already decided to believe, they ignore it. How does that work? And so what kind of conversation can you have with these people who have chosen not to think critically, to be intellectually dishonest, and practice dogmatism? Because that's what it comes down to. And then it's not bad enough that we ignore the truth. Well, I shouldn't say we because, you know, I I do... If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, come on, it, it's embarrassing. You say things, you thought something was correct, you thought you were correct, and then you find out you weren't. It can be embarrassing. But you admit it, and you move on, right? You, you, but, you, but you admit it, there's that admission. So as I said, you have a lot of people who that, who, uh, when they encounter, when they stumble across something that they don't like, or when they're presented with something, when they're met with something that, that they don't like, they just ignore it. Now, that in itself is very bad. But then we have another phenomenon that has sprung up in this post-truth era. And what it is, is you have people who create truth. Let me say that again. They create truth. And I think for me, this is more insidious than this avoidance of the truth that so many people engage in. And so let me explain a little bit further. Now, with this, I'm going to give concrete examples. In this day and age, you have to watch everything you say. You have to cross all your T's, dot all your I's. You always have to be on your guard. And I think that that that's an uncomfortable way to live. I think that It's a climate that I think is stress-inducing. Now, I, by nature, am careful. And I think part of that is my, like I said, my nature, but then it's also my training, um, my professional training. I have a background in law. And I think that it instructs you, you know, when you, when you do train in the legal field, it, whatever you're doing in the legal field, I think that the instruction, it causes you to be more aware, more careful in what you say and how you communicate. You're more precise And you're aware how things may look. You look at things from all different perspectives. And I think taken as an ensemble, I think that that makes you just, uh, yeah, more aware. You have a heightened awareness. 
and you proceed accordingly. Um, But I think for a lot of people, it's uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that because it's my nature and because I, you know, my professional formation, um, you know, kind of uh, feeds into that already uh, personal proclivity of mine. I'm not saying that it's always desirable for me either to always be, I don't want to say on my guard, but just, I'm going to use the word aware again. Because sometimes you just want to let your hair down. Now, I think that, um, having said all that, I I think you're just personally, I am a little less concerned just because I'm so candid. And so I feel like I'm insulated from some of what other people are afraid of. Um, And so wherever I am, I am because people know that I'm candid, but they know I'm not going to cross certain lines. They know that as well. And so wherever I am, it's with the understanding this is how she is as opposed to people who often do not necessarily speak their mind, and then they find themselves in different places, whether in their personal life or or professional life, and they can't really step outside that. So I'm, you know, from, from jump, I'm, this is who I am, this is me. So... You know, fortunately, in different places where I find myself um, now, um, it's 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 accepted. It's accepted, um, but still, I think it's unfortunate that we do have to watch everything that we say and do. And so, as I said a few minutes ago, I want to bring everything back to this idea about post-truth, the post-truth climate, if you will. And so. We have people, and they have their phones, and they're ready, man. They're ready. They're, they are always ready to film, take pictures. But it's, it's really those, those Facebook Lives. It's uh, those videos. And I, and I think it's really, it's insidious because... You know, when you're doing a Facebook Live, you know that a person is in a particular setting. I once had someone, and I just, I was stunned. Uh, (laughs) She actually had the nerve to try to tell me, well, I was, I was, uh, I was at Methadone Mile about an hour ago, and I didn't see you there. You know, this is when I was doing lives on Method Mile. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I'll probably go back in the relatively near future. Of course, I'll have to be exceedingly careful because things have gotten, it, it seems like since I, I did do those lives, uh, things I feel have gotten much worse. And it's, it's really sad and there's quite frankly no need of it. But that's, that's, 
another topic that I don't want to really get into uh, right now on this show. I don't want that to become a, a focal point either, but that's definitely an ongoing topic as uh, regular listeners know. Um, so I'll definitely get back to that. Um, but to but to tell me that I wasn't on Methadone Mile when I'm literally there doing a Facebook Live, it's 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 absolutely galling and it's incredibly nasty. Um, and especially, it was particularly ironic to hear it from this individual because speaking of post-truth, this person, she revels in this, this political slash social climate. But, <clears throat> but to get back to this, this, this whole concept of doing lives, um, so we know that a person is at this place, that place, we know, you know, the time of day or night. But we don't necessarily know what preceded a series of events. We don't know what happened before that live began. And we have a lot of people now, they operate, uh, they don't operate in good faith at all, and they want their 15 minutes. And so what they do is they'll rile people up, they'll poke and prod, they'll say things, and then as soon as someone reacts, oh boy, they're, like I said, they're right there ready and waiting uh, to go live, or they're ready and waiting uh, to you know, to put their, put, put their phone on, on, on video. And it's just, it's, it's so unbelievably nasty. And it's so, it's so sad because I think that it should be enough for, for all of us to take care of ourselves and create our own narratives without trying to worry about the narratives of other people. Let other people take care of their own narratives. But, you know, when, when you're talking about efforts to besmirch somebody, to sully somebody's reputation, to make someone look bad, to embarrass someone, to knock someone down a peg, it's, I mean, all of this is just so... It's it's just so for me it's it's so disgusting. It's so intellectually and morally vile. But that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And very recently I was uh at an event and I won't give the specifics. <laughs> um but I'll I'll give a uh, 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 but I'll give a little bit more detail than I did with that very very loose very, very vague uh, uh, tragedy that I, I discussed earlier, that I referenced. Uh, so I was at uh, a political event very recently, and a candidate was uh, joined by a special guest, and that special guest has, you know, upset a lot of people who are 
anti-vaccine and anti-mask. And what people who, I don't want to say they're pro-vaccine, but people who are, who didn't have a problem with the mandate, and a lot of people actually did, regardless of where exactly they fell in the political spectrum, they did have a problem with the vaccine mandate. Um, I mean, that, Michelle definitely, I don't know who is advising her, Michelle, Mayor Wu, um, but that was really, uh, it was a very uh, bad move. Um, But, I mean, I want people to understand that people who were opposed to, you know, any kind of vaccine mandate, um, showing proof of vaccination, you know, Michelle's be together. I mean, I guess she and her her people thought that if a, a, a cute little name was given to a horrible idea, that people would nonetheless swallow it. And that, of course, did not happen. Um, but, the, but the point I want to make is that these aren't all anti-vaxxers. They're not. I mean, again, you have a wide variety of people. There are a lot of people who are vaccinated. They might even have, so they, they got two shots. They might even have a booster or two, but they don't like the idea of a mandate. And so I can't stress that enough. It's, you know, all this opposition to Wu because of these mandates, uh, because of her Be Together plan, because of the masks, you can't just say, well, all oh, these people, they're all anti-maskers. Anti-. That, no, not at all. Um, and then you have even people who, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really kind of, it's, it, <laughs> they say politics makes strange bedfellows, and it really is true. Um, you know, even people who, who've never been, I, uh, um, thrilled with the idea of say let's just say the mass let's let's you know put the vac- uh, the mandate vaccine mandate to one side even people who didn't like the idea of, of being masked up um it's again it's just it's difficult to just kind of look at all of us because I am including myself in it um as a monolithic block I've never been a fan of the masks, but I wore them. And when I didn't have to, I didn't. I try to wear it as little as possible. Um, but I also try to respect the comfort level of other people. And I was not going to tell people that they were paranoid, that they were sheep, that they were... Uh, you know, not attached to their freedoms, that they, that they were gullible, that they, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a society uh, that we all live in. And, you know, part of the, the, the freedoms that we enjoy, part of it, it, it involves respecting the same freedoms that others can enjoy. And so, especially as time went on and 
you know, the mask became optional. And some places, you know, it was was a choice. And so I respected people's decision to wear it. While I myself, again, whenever I I didn't have to wear one, I didn't. But, you know, I I found myself on occasions, and I still even do, um, if, if a person's comfort level is such that I think that he or she might feel uncomfortable, if I'm not wearing a mask, I try to be considerate. It doesn't make me a punk. It doesn't make me a closet lefty. It doesn't make... No, it's... (laughs) We all live together in this big society, and we all have needs, and we all have concerns, and we just really have to be a hell of a lot more considerate and respectful of one another. Um, But to get back to the point about uh, the vaccines and the mandates, uh, you know, so the the special guest of this particular uh, political figure, uh, the special guest had... Uh, angered a lot of people. And so people decided to protest. Now, we have the right to protest, but what happened is these individuals actually came to the event and they decided to disrupt it. And I was pretty disgusted. And I noticed that um, so, of course, there was a live. There were a couple people who had their phones, their trusty phones. And I noticed, uh, you know, in a couple of the videos I saw, I, I saw that, I, you know, because I was there and I knew the people. And one, one person in particular, I know her well. Um, you know, the camera was on me at different points. Now, I wasn't doing anything, so there was nothing that they could take and run with. But it was really, I found it unbelievably underhanded and deceitful. So it was kind of like the angle at which, you know, people were being seen. And, and you know, again, I saw at several different points, it was kind of like, oh, I'm on camera, I'm not on camera. And it was really done with the idea of trying to catch something. And I just said, you know, that that's really disgusting. So if we can't see what we want, we're going to ha- somehow create it. And so that's where this idea about creating truth comes in. And so... You have these people who now are showing up at events. They follow people in the street. And and I'll be honest. I mean, there are some people who have been consistently, I'll be a, a little bit more specific here, that have been consistently anti-Mayor Wu. And, you know, there's some individuals, there are, you know, there are one or two individuals that I I do like, and I do think they have a lot of courage, and I do respect their decision to stand up, because I think that they did wake a lot of people up, and I think that they inspired other people to be courageous. Um, But I think that at this point, I think that 
this movement as a whole, if I can even call it that, um, I think it's gone off in another direction. And I think that, you know, people are getting off on the attention. You have people getting arrested. That doesn't make you, I, I, I said this before, this doesn't make you hardcore. This doesn't mean that you're a real conservative, that you know how to fight. You know, you, you know you're a tough person. You're a, you're a bad son of a gun. No, it, it just means that your attention starved, that you like being in the limelight. Some of the most effective people in history, even if they were known, even if they were public figures, they nevertheless, they, they moved mountains But it was different than what I'm seeing. I mean, you have a group of people that think, and not all of them are the ones that are, are showing up, you know, systematically trying to confront Wu. Um, you know, but the people that I'm thinking of who've moved mountains, even if they were public figures, it's it just, it wasn't... It wasn't about self-promotion, and that's what it feels like with a lot of these individuals. There was, I mean, people I'm thinking of who've really moved the needle. Um, there's been some measure of humility. Um, I've seen respect given to others. I'm not seeing that with some of these protesters. I, I, I just, I, I can't say to, to what extent. I can't even begin to describe, I should say, the extent to which I find some of these people disgusting. And I'll stand by those words because everywhere some of these protesters are going, they're making it all about them. If you're fighting for the people, if you're fighting for your community, if you're fighting for your neighbor, you don't make it all about you. And the people that I have seen in my life, or if we want to go big, the people who have, I mean, and now we're talking about people in history books, right? Not people who are jumping on headlines and, and, and trying to grab their 15 minutes. But, I mean, I'm talking about people who are in the pantheon of American history, right? Um, it's, it's a different attitude. It's very much a different attitude. And it's, it's, there's real courage. Because when you do try to change things and when you do try to make a difference, it's not easy. It's not a joke. It's not a game. And you sacrifice. You sacrifice a lot. You lose a lot. Sometimes it's your health. 
sometimes your finances, sometimes both, sometimes more than that. So when you really do stand up and try to fight for your community, it's not about, look at me and look what I've said today and and check me out. You know, look what happened to me. I got arrested. Oh, my gosh, the tyranny of it all. And that's really, <laughs> that's really how it's coming across to so many of us. And so someone might be listening and say, well, no, it's just you, Rachel. No, actually, it's not. You know, because a lot of people, like I said, agree with some of the points that the protesters are making. I agree with a lot of them. But here's the thing. I don't like what they're doing. How? Because I feel like, again, these protests have become something else. So... They've really become vanity vehicles. You know, it's, 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 they've become occasions for people to put on performances, to throw out their one-liners. And, of course, they have their phones ready, and if someone actually responds or snaps, well, you know, uh, you know, all the better. But at the end of the day, what have they accomplished? Nothing. And so to get back to this event that I referenced— you know, to hear those who disrupted it, to hear them talk, oh my gosh, they they threw a major monkey wrench into the into the night. They and they brought the house down, but not in the way that the attendees would have liked. And they really gave two fingers up to the establishment. And they really once again they were standing tall and firm. You want to know what really happened? <laughs> so I, I well, <laughs> I would have to then give the uh, you know uh, you know say the event. But what I'm going to say is the truth of the situation was different. One of the people filming, uh, it was kind of funny to see this. She at at, uh, at least you know one or two different points just kind of walking around, mumbling, looking down, because she tried to get something going. She tried to antagonize people. She tried to cause a scene, and none of it worked. So she, along with her friends, they were asked to leave. So everything that they wanted to do, that they tried to do, that they couldn't really do. And it was, it was kind of funny to see them looking stupid. Because, again, this at this point, some of these people, it, it's, it's, and I don't know if it ever really was with some of these people, um, certain individuals. Uh, I actually don't think it was ever about standing up and fighting for community. I think it was, it's, it's always been about my 15 minutes where I deserve to be. I'm entitled to this. I, you know, I deserve this recognition. I should be here. I should, you know, so it's not about working and working your way up or earning respect. It's about going right in at the top because you can make the most noise. 
and we wonder why nothing gets done, right? But the idea is that if you didn't know, if you looked at the videos that were shown, if you watched the live that was shared, you might believe the version of events that was presented. But everyone wasn't shown on the live. The camera didn't catch everyone, you know, throughout the throughout the event. And of course, again, they you know, these individuals were were asked to leave and they did. And here's something else that was not shared by these individuals. You know, they, they were trying to brag and they were trying to claim it as a win. It wasn't a win. See, the thing is, a lot of people in the event, including myself, we agreed with the idea of them protesting. But you want to protest, you do it outside. You don't, you, you, you went into an event and you made it about you and disrupted. You could have been just as effective outside. And then, of course, you would have been respectful of the venue and the event that was taking place. But that's not what this was about. This was about causing a scene and this was about getting attention and this was about going viral. Okay, that's what this was about. But again, what you didn't see is that, again, a lot of people at the event agreed. Actually, I don't know anyone at the event who didn't agree with their right to protest. That's number one. Number two, a lot of people there were sick of the masks. And, I, and I'm including myself in. Again, I've never been a fan of them. Sick of them. The vaccine, a lot of people have, a lot of people have questions and issues about how it was rolled out, about the misinformation, about the lack of coordination between different levels of government and, and then from one municipality to another. And I'll say this. I have been impacted adversely by the vaccine. Well, let me refer, let me, let me, uh, let me hit the rewind button. I have been impacted adversely, or I was impacted adversely. Um, short, um, I had an experience, a health issue that occurred shortly after getting the vaccine. After seeking medical attention, different specialists in different areas, a link to the vaccine, it has not been ruled out. Other things have been ruled out, but this has, with the vaccine, it being a cause of my health issue, that has not been ruled out. And I think that, I think for some people, the vaccine was the right choice. But I think, and I've said this consistently, 
I think that there have been other paths by which people can keep themselves safe and, of course, others. And these other paths did not involve getting the vaccine. So I just, what I'm trying to say is that I have listened to a wide variety of people. I have tried to respect as many people as possible. I understand the good that the vaccine has caused, but I also have questions about it because I think that for some people it might not have been the best idea. And I'm thinking I might be one of those people. And what I'm sharing is what I have been told by medical professionals. So it hasn't been, oh, this is this happened because of the vaccine. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it hasn't been ruled out. But a lot of other things have. And the possibility that it might be the vaccine, at this point in time, the different medical professionals with whom I've spoken, with whom who've been working with me, it can't be ruled out definitively. And I think that, you know, I think that there should have been all along better information given, more comprehensive. And then, of course, as I've said, too, you can't make rules for others and then not follow them yourselves. So it's, there've just been so many problems surrounding um, this pandemic and how different aspects of it were handled. But I have tried to be respectful. Um, I've never tried to go into a place where masks were required without one. Again, I did get the vaccine. Um, so it's, it's just, it's, it's a complex issue. It's multidimensional. But personally, I was never a fan of the masks. And I'm against the mandate. And as I said earlier in the show, there are a lot of people who are vaccinated and they do have booster shots and they're against the mandate too or any attempt at putting a mandate in place. So what's my point? My point is that these people who are front and center in the post-truth political slash social climate, these people, it's not that there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a categoric disagreement with their position. It's what motivates some of them, not all, but some of them. It's the tactics that they're engaging in. It's the lack of humility. 
it's the idea that, well, if we just go and we harass people, because that's at this point, that's what it's amounting to. You know, you're following people down the street. You're showing up people's homes. Okay, I can see once, twice, a few times. But it's, it's, I guess another element is that I'm less tolerant at this point because none of these people had anything to say before now. None of these people had anything to say. And speaking of saying something, if you're just tuning in, uh, thank you. Uh, we still have a few more minutes. Uh, you're you're uh, checking out Bostonian Rap, and I am Rachel Meiselman. This is Boston's community radio station, WBCALP 102.9 FM, Boston. Um, but if you've been hanging out with me all along, thank you. As I'm talking about this, this post-truth, this maddening, infuriating uh, uh, climate in which we're living, I think that's ultimately too uh, a big part of why my tolerance—it's—it's it's, I no longer have it for some of these people because you said nothing. All these years that Michelle Wu has been involved with politics as an elected official, you said nothing. You had absolutely no problem with her. Then when she becomes mayor and she says it does something that you don't like, then it's all guns blazing. Would it not have been made better sense to consistently hold the elected officials accountable, know what they're doing, listen to what they're saying, would that not have made uh, more sense? Would that not have been more um, the thing to do? I, I just, I don't understand apathy because that's what it comes down to. I mean, some of these people, um, I'll th- now I'll throw out a name, Michelle Effendi. She, you know, she's been one of the people who's made the news for being one of these protesters. She literally came out and said, well, I purposefully did not vote. uh, Purposely, uh, excuse me, purposely I did not vote. I'm trying to remember her exact wording. But she definitely said, I, you know, I didn't vote for years. And, and, And it was by design. You know, I'm paraphrasing, like, by design. It was, you know, I, this was something, it wasn't like, oh, I was so busy, I just don't have time. I, I mean, they all say the same thing. No, I chose not to vote. That was, that was her point. And I remember seeing that, and I said, huh. So why do you think you have any kind of right to go off now, especially in a city in which you don't even live. And so she's arguing that uh, her husband, I believe, that's what she has said, has business ties here. Okay. But then again, all right, so 
I mean, if you haven't been living here, you can't vote here, right? But then not only has she not voted at all until now, she decides suddenly that voting is cool, but you didn't do anything politically. You were politically, you, you were largely politically inert. So maybe she did something like she was interested at the national level, but what was going on in her own backyard, she had nothing to say. So what it comes down to, people like Michelle Effendi, it wasn't until they themselves were affected or impacted by something that they began to care. I have a huge problem with that because I think that even if something doesn't directly impact you, it somehow touches you. I don't have children, but the idea that there are children who are not getting an education, the fact that you have children going to schools that aren't safe, and I'm talking about the Boston Public Schools, this, this school district is, 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 is it's on life support, as I've said many, many times. It's, for me, even though I don't have children, I still feel impacted. I still feel for families that have children in the Boston public schools. There's no way that I can be apathetic. There's no way that I can say, well, I don't have children. How can I not feel for these families that have children in the Boston public schools? Housing. I'm lucky I have housing. It's habitable. It's nice. It's a home. What about the people who don't have a home? What about the people who don't have any place to go? The point is, you don't wait until something affects you before you stand up and say, I care and I have to fight or I have to say something or I have to take a stand. And the bigger point is that we're living in an era where we have all kinds of things that are occurring, like these protests that, again, have become something something else, uh, and just so many other things. Uh, you know, the lack of conversation, the lack uh, of, of opportunity to have real conversations, because we're no longer living in an era where truth and evidence and proof are respected. But all of that was a mouthful. <laughs> we didn't even go to a, a quick break today like we normally do. Was, there was so much to say, and there's so much more to say, and I will do just that. Um, but thank you so much for listening. My name is Rachel Meiselman, Bostonian rap on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. Um, please stick around and hang out uh, for the next show and catch me next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241.
or email us at radio at bnntv.org.